0: Welcome to the American Citizens Abroad TaxCast. I'm Michelle, and today I'm chatting with Mary Louise Serrato, Executive Director of ACA, and ACA Legal Counsel and ACA Global Foundation's Chairman, Charles Bruce. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Good to be here. Thanks,
0: Michelle. ACA Global Foundation has just completed a significant research study in support of residence-based taxation, also known as RBT. Could you give us a summary of the project?
1: This project really focuses on the numbers surrounding RBT. ACA and District Economics Group dove into these numbers and laid out all the essential data and information, really the numbers surrounding the subject, how many Americans abroad are there, where are they, what is their uh, levels of income, what would be the effect of switching over to residency-based taxation. So that is the gist of it.
0: How does this research help with ACA's advocacy for RBT? The research really helps us because it gives us good
2: numbers on the community. Many of us see posted here and there that there are 8 million Americans overseas, 9 million Americans overseas, a lot of different numbers flying around about how many are filing taxes. We hear things like Americans overseas are super wealthy. And what this DEG research study does is that it really brings all those numbers into focus. It gives us a good snapshot of the size of the community. And as Charles mentioned before, for where Americans overseas are sitting, where they're living, the wealth distribution, how much income they're earning, how many people are filing taxes from overseas, how many people are not filing. And that number is also really interesting because it helps us understand some of the things that are going on in the community. A lot of that having to do with people unaware of their filing obligation or misunderstanding certain tools in the tax code. This DEG study really gives the offices up on Capitol Hill a really focused view of the community. And I think, Charles, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the few studies that's out there that really gives this kind of information or has collected this kind of statistically accurate
1: information. That's right. In fact, in some of the recent uh, hearings, including hearings on the Senate side, it was surprising that so little good information about the population of Americans overseas, how little good information there is out there. So it's really filling a void.
0: Why is revenue neutrality or having a good revenue number so important for passage of RBT legislation?
1: We think it's important for several reasons. First, it's almost the political side to it. Members might be less willing to support RBT if it was the case that their i 'll call them homeland constituents were really footing the bill as if Americans overseas are paying less tax it's someone else is probably going to have to pay more. that's the political optics of it. more importantly though, revenue neutrality may be key to getting the legislation actually enacted because of the rules, the so-called reconciliation rules, that mean that that any member could object to an RBT bill if it lost revenue. Now, people try to sometimes can get around that if their proposal includes rules that also pick up income. So if you have a bill that's going to lose a billion dollars, If you throw in some provisions that actually pick up a billion dollars, then you can avoid the problems with the reconciliation rules. The problem with that, of course, is if you're going to pick up revenue, that means somebody's going to pay that revenue and you're going to make enemies very quickly. We think that revenue neutrality is really key. That's not to say that it's extremely important that it is the right thing to do, that it's the fair thing to do. But you also have to address the political optics and the reconciliation rules.
2: I think we also have a previous tax cast that we did on the subject of reconciliation, Charles, that would be really helpful for people. Perhaps Michelle can include it in her show notes and people can learn a little bit more about that procedure and why it's important.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I'll say that I think it's the best. The person who presented Maria Sapir from tax notes. Her presentation on that tax cast and her article, which was also posted on the ACA website, those two things are really the best information on the subject of how the reconciliation rules might affect enactment of RBT.
0: Thanks. I'll definitely include it in the show notes. Could you tell us a little about DEG? Why is it important to have DEG work on this study?
1: DEG is a economic consulting group here in Washington. It is nonpartisan. It has done this for many years. It has the very best reputation in the field. There are other groups that might be able to do work in this area. For instance, one of the big four accounting firms usually have people that work in this space also. However, we have found DEG to be excellent. And they are especially strong in the area of tax rules affecting people outside the United States, companies working overseas, individuals overseas. We have found them to be absolutely excellent. In my view, in fact, they are the leading shop doing this.
2: To add on to that They're highly respected in Washington, D.C. and up on Capitol Hill. They're known by a lot of the congressional offices and the tax writing committees. And so it's really important for ACA, when we're up advocating to Congress, to show Congress that we're working with reputable and known and established partners and stakeholders. It's really important to our work, and it also helps advance our work, having these connections and knowing people like District Economics Group, DEG, and other groups that we reach out to and work with.
0: What kind of response are you getting from congressional offices about the research? We've been talking with,
2: and we continue to talk with members in the House and on the Senate side. As many of you know, ACA has a long, long history up on Capitol Hill. Many of these offices know us very well. When we walk through the door, they recognize either Charles or myself. We're also up on Capitol Hill knocking on new doors and new offices that are coming to us through our write-in campaigns. If those of you who are listening aren't familiar with the ACA write-in campaigns in support of residence-based taxation and in support of a call for hearings. That's definitely something you should take a look at. We're getting a lot of names of new offices and bringing them in the fold. So we have been into a lot of these offices back in 2017 when we did our first round of research with District Economics Group. So many of these offices are very eager to have us back in to take a look at this follow-up Study so we're getting very good interest and engagement from offices up on Capitol Hill.
1: I'll just chime in that, in a way, the community uh, people concerned uh, working on tax legislation and particularly so-called international tax legislation, there might be on Capitol Hill, with committee staff and other staffs like Joint Committee on Taxation, Congressional Budget Office, there might be mm, 150 or so people who are really concerned with that. It's not a limitless number of people. And we have been working with those people for several years and have established ourselves. Funny phenomenon is we might have first met them when they were working with Congressman so-and-so, and then people change jobs. We might run into them again at Treasury Department or over at the IRS. It's really useful to be a continuing presence.
0: Why is getting this data in the hands of the Joint Committee on Taxation, U.S. Treasury, and the IRS important? Isn't it congressional offices who need to hear about this study?
1: The members of Congress really are the decision makers. I found that most of these people are pretty self-operative. They know the subject themselves. They've probably worked on it again and again. The members themselves are pretty knowledgeable. However, they are helped by various staff. Some of the staff is in their office. It might be a legislative council or something like that, or it might be a legislative council that also does work with the Finance Committee or the House Ways and Means Committee. And those committees, the two tax writing committees, they have staff who are very good and very experienced, and they help the members and the members' office staff get into the subject. On top of that, some of the real super expert people are with the Joint Committee on Taxation itself, also over on the Congressional Budget Office. When members can look to various staff people their own, the committee staffs or the staff of the Joint Committee, to dig into the detail and to help them see things, develop some insights into the subject, now the, the member gets comfortable in going ahead with legislation. Members really don't want to legislate in the dark. They don't want to be surprised after they go forward with legislation and somebody comes back to them and says, that was really not a good idea. So they want to have good staff work. And it's very important for us to work not only with the members, but also with their staffs.
0: ECA has estimated that the community of non-military U.S. citizens living and working abroad is about 4 million that is about 5 million less than what the US state department estimates why is this
2: aca has gone back and we've filed numerous freedom of information act requests to try to understand some of the figures that are out there in particular the figure out of the US state department as i mentioned previously really no one has a clear line of sight into this with the exception i believe of aca and our work with district economics group and this second round of research that refined our first round. So we've been able to go into publicly available data and match things up and take a look. And we've been able to, or DEG actually, out of that exercise has been able to get closer to this figure that we think is representative of the community, which is about 4 million. Why are there discrepancies? Until we really know the methodology of the State Department and some of the other figures out there, it's really hard to say. It could be that some of these numbers are based on evacuation figures, could be based on staffing needs at embassies and consulates. There could be a number of reasons why there are differences, but we really believe with our research work that we've gotten to a good solid number. And that's really, really important. I think people think sometimes the community thinks, well, it's better to have a big number. shows that there's a big group of us. That's not necessarily a good thing, especially when you're talking to offices like the Joint Committee of Taxation and Treasury and IRS. It's best to have as accurate as you possibly can have on this community because they're going to run numbers off of that number, and you want it to be a good number if you want a good result.
1: Right. I think if you went to the internet and just Googled around, as they say, the number that keeps popping up is 9 million Americans abroad, something like that. As Mary Louise says, it's really probably traceable to the State Department numbers, which they're running for completely different reasons. They did not have any tax exercise in mind when they Came along with those numbers. Actually, a smaller number is better for the cause of enacting residency based taxation. It means that it can be made revenue neutral. You won't lose a ton of revenue. In fact, there was a recent article by uh, Bob Goulder over at Tax Notes summarizing it. He said RBT would not necessarily break the bank. To arrive at that conclusion, it's better if the numbers are small. Michelle, you you might also post the Goulder article as well.
2: And just to add on to that, that article in Tax Notes International is really helpful to ACA's advocacy work. Often times we hear from the community, why aren't we getting articles in the New York Times and the Washington Post? The Tax Notes, Tax Notes International, Tax Analyst, these are really key publications for our issue because articles on the topic of tax, tax reform, and particularly our issue of residence-based taxation, this is really the Bible for people up on Capitol Hill who are looking into this subject matter, congressional offices, the tax writing committees. They're all paying attention to articles that are published in there. So this is really, really key to our advocacy work because it really shows that this is not a niche issue that this has got good support and that there are very good reasons for the Congress to consider a move towards residence-based or territorial for individuals.
1: When other publications do write articles about this subject, they're almost always looking over to see what a more hardcore journal like what Tax Notes has developed on the subject. So it helps all around.
0: I'll definitely include the Bob Goulder article in the show notes. The research study also indicates that there's a percentage of Americans overseas who don't file taxes. Won't this be an issue with Congress?
1: Whenever there's an issue about compliance or non-filers or a tax gap, it does attract attention. However, the numbers showing people who are not filing returns, there are a number of reasons for it. It is not the case that those people are all tax cheats of some type. There are a number of explanations for what's going on. The IRS is interested in this subject. Congress is interested in the subject. And they are all right now uh, digging into it more deeply. Everyone wants to make sure that those people who are out of compliance are not tax cheats. And everyone pays close attention to this. There's been a good deal of confusion about the filing requirement. Americans overseas are not really sure about what the requirement is. One confusing thing is they realize that there's a significant exclusion, foreign earned income exclusion. They see that, they look down and say, well, gosh, I'm totally covered by that exclusion. I don't need to file. That's not correct, but it's understandable that they are misreading the situation. And also, I think it's a problem with Americans overseas. Their neighbors there, who might not be American citizens, but come from a different jurisdiction, that other jurisdiction doesn't require them to file. If if you're in the UK, you came there from France, you might not have a continuing filing requirement in France because of the way their territorial system works. So they look over to their neighbors, they're not worried about this lingering tax liability. And so they quite understandably think, well, I don't have a continuing US filing requirement. So there are good reasons for that number of missing in action, people not showing up tax returns. There may be some problem with noncompliance, but actually it's probably not any larger than the noncompliance percentage in the U.S. with people who are just not filing.
0: A great statistic from the study indicates that U.S. citizens living and working overseas are not significantly more wealthy than their U.S. counterparts. Could you talk more about that?
2: Yeah, happily. The research and work that District Economics Group did on this subject indicates that Americans overseas are not wildly wealthier than Americans living domestically. And where there is a divergence, it's pretty much in places where the cost of living is quite high. And there's no surprises. You'll see countries like Switzerland, the UK, in particular London, Hong Kong, Singapore, These are the places where you will see that Americans sitting in those jurisdictions will have higher income levels than domestic Americans, but that's completely related to where it is that they're living. So it's a good statistic for us because it does show on the other end that Americans overseas, it dispels this idea that we're all very wealthy. It really shows that across the board, we're pretty much like Americans living domestically.
0: ACA continues to keep pressure on Congress to hold hearings on the tax compliance issues of U.S. citizens living and working overseas. Why is this so important to the legislative process?
1: It is absolutely the case that Americans overseas face enormous obstacles in reporting and paying tax properly. This is not widely understood, and it'd be very important for that subject to be laid in front of Congress. The difficulties The issues of, frankly, fairness, all of that needs to be put on the table. We really think that it's a necessary step in getting RBT enacted.
0: Throughout social media, there's a lot of frustration by U.S. citizens overseas in regards to the tax issue. It seems like there are different groups selling different products. Why is it important for the community to get behind ACA's efforts?
1: Well, it's important for the entire community to get behind the effort. We're not going to get RBT unless we ask for it, unless we are very effective in, I'll say, selling the concept of RBT. There is, I think, general agreement that RBT is the best path forward in solving these problems. The parameters that are set forth in the DEG study are a good start in understanding how RBT would operate. On the ACA website, there's a very useful side-by-side comparison of the existing citizenship-based taxation rules and an approach to RBT. We call that approach the uh, vanilla approach, because if you're confronted with how would you change from CBT to uh, residency-based taxation, where would you have to make changes, it's actually not rocket science. There are some obvious things that you would want to do. It's important for the community to understand all of this, to understand how RBT would work, and to get behind it. You're not going to get something enacted unless you ask for it, and unless you get out and really push for it. Also, it's good to look back. A few years ago, when Representative Holding came at this subject, he really took the RBT approach and worked off the existing provisions and modified them in order to get the result that he wanted. That probably set the pattern. Any effort to enacting RBT is going to, we think, work off the existing rules and then make changes to move it over to residency-based taxation. A lot of the provisions, a lot of the so-called legislative tissue is already there in the code. It applies to the non-resident alien individuals, the French individual, the Spanish individual, how they are taxed by the U.S. They are taxed by the U.S. only on their U.S. source income, not on their foreign income. And that approach is what people will go back to in working on RBT. One more thing, in the approach the so-called vanilla approach that appears in the side-by-side analysis and elsewhere. Notice that for the existing population of uh, Americans abroad, long-time residents there, people who are truly residing in that foreign country, that they get an extremely good result out of enactment of RBT, no longer taxed on foreign source income. There would be no transition tax or anything approaching an exit tax. There wouldn't even be a user fee applied to them. It could be that they would automatically become qualified for residency-based taxation. It is a very good result for that population going back to the 4 million Americans overseas. A large percentage of them would automatically become qualified for RBT.
0: ACA has write-in campaigns supporting the call for hearings, and you also have write-in campaigns in support of Congresswoman Maloney's two bills and Congressman Byer's bill. These bills are not RBT legislation and only address some of the issues. Isn't it counterproductive to call for support of these bills and not a full-on RBT bill? The importance of having
2: bills in Congress we can see this with going back to Congressman Holdings' original bill for residence-based taxation. It really broke the ice and it really started the conversation. And it got those important offices that we were talking about before, the Joint Committee of Taxation and House Legislative Council, it got them thinking about this subject matter and working on it. And it put that on the table, so to speak. This is what's happening as well with Congresswoman Maloney's two bills and Congressman Byer's bill. So Congresswoman Maloney has a bill for an Americans Abroad Commission, which is similar to what would happen at hearings. We think hearings are a better way to get the information up to Congress, but she has certainly put forth a bill requesting that a committee be formed to talk about all these issues and the Americans Abroad Financial Access Act, which is a safe harbor or a same country exemption, which is a concept that ACA as well has put forth. And that's for FATCA reporting. And it would take out of FATCA reporting bank accounts in the country where an American is legitimately resident and those accounts are considered local and not offshore. Congressman Byers bill, is the Americans Abroad Tax Simplification Act? I might have gotten some of the, the actual wording on those bills incorrect, but hopefully I've gotten close. And his bill actually is a simplification for certain individuals filing at a certain income and asset level. As you noted, Michelle, they're not RBT legislation, but what it does do and what support of those bills, along with supporting ACA's call for hearings, does is that it shows Congress that. There are other bills being considered and that this is a topic that needs to be addressed, that there are clearly problems out there. So it really does help support our efforts for hearings. It tells Congress, hey, we see this coming from different congressional offices. We're hearing from the tax writing committees and from other joint committee of taxation, or perhaps U.S. Treasury, we really need to have the information. We really need to know more on this subject matter. So it all dovetails quite nicely together. It also shows those offices, they're looking for support. They're starting the conversation. They want to know that the community appreciates their support. They obviously recognize that it is not ET legislation, doesn't solve all the problems but they're going out there and they're really trying to start the conversation and support the community. So we think actually at ACA that it's not counterproductive and it really does work. We're all going in the same direction on this.
0: Won't you get pushback from the tax and investment community as the current tax policy is a big part of their business?
1: I don't think that they will. They will see this as something that they can actually contribute to, that they'll be busy advising people how to take advantage of RBT. It will not put them out of business. It will just give them a new business, a new slant on their business. We see that people are realizing this because, in fact, these advisors are coming to us to understand deeply how the new rules would work. They're not going to be put out of business.
0: So what can professionals in the tax and investment industry do to support ACA's efforts?
1: First and foremost, they can dig into the subject and understand exactly how it would work, and they can support the move to RBT. And in fact, I think I'm right about this. There's a coalition of supporters of RBT, and if you look at that coalition, there are several members who are tax preparation groups and other advisory groups, investment advisors. They have become involved, and they are, in fact, we know pushing for enactment of RPG.
0: And lastly, what can the community of overseas taxpayers do to help?
2: As I mentioned before, we have several write-in campaigns, and I would encourage everybody in the community to join those campaigns. ACA has two specific write-in campaigns to the House Ways and Means Committee and to Chairman Neal, who sits on that committee, requesting that hearings be held. I won't go over it again, but just to make the point that all this information, people's individual testimonies, testimonies from organizations like ACA and others who are out there on this front, really need to be put on record with the Congress. As well, I think it will help educate the community. People sometimes just see a problem from their one perspective and how it's affecting them filing taxes. It's good to learn what's going on. For example, Americans overseas who have small businesses, how it's affecting your neighbor might be different than how it's affecting you. And also some things that maybe the community isn't aware of. It will also put clarity on what can and can't be done. Not going to delve into that, but there are certain things that can be done legislatively and and other things that probably can't. So all that becomes very, very clear. And it will really help the community to get behind a push for RBT. The other two campaigns, as I mentioned before, are write-in campaigns in support of Congresswoman Maloney's two bills and a write-in campaign in support of Congressman Byer's bill. And again, a support for those bills really does help. It doesn't take away from a push towards RBT because before those bills really start developing or moving along, they're going to want more information on what's going on in the community, the tax reporting and filing habits of Americans overseas, good numbers on the size of the community. They need that information for their bills as well. So all of this can only help the efforts behind RBT. And lastly, join ACA. We are the only nonpartisan, nonprofit organization representing Americans overseas to the Congress that's headquartered in Washington, DC. We're nonpartisan, that really helps with our efforts. We can go into any office and talk to anyone. That's a really unique thing and important thing to have here on
1: Capitol Hill. I would contribute this. Actually, we've been helped In the past by uh, Americans overseas who do follow this, they'll pick up the phone or they'll send us an email and point out something very useful. It is not necessarily the case that we know everything or we're seeing every detail. We have been truly helped on several occasions by people coming forward and pointing things out to us. So get involved, push for the hearings, and if you see something you think we need to know, let us know. Come to us.
0: Thanks, Charles and Mary Louise, for chatting with us today. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. The American Citizens Abroad TaxCast is edited and produced by me, Michelle, and is a product of American Citizens Abroad. You can get in touch with us at podcast.americansabroad.org. Remember to give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts so other Americans living abroad can find us.